show in association with Touchdown Trips. Getting you... Uh, yes, you. In the, ga- in the game. We got there eventually, Ollie. Uh, week one is in the books. And man, was it a cracking week of football. We've got some great games to talk about. Some fantastic rookie performances. And a ridiculously tough week for new head coaches in the NFL. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello, welcome to the Green Iron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you... Yes, you. ...in the game. Game. Ollie, week one done. Pretty happy. Ugh. I mean, I think it was an amazing slate of games, don't you? Yeah, 100%. Just totally all in. Just, you know, all of the storylines, all the things that happened. We seen, we saw blowouts, we saw shootouts, we saw comebacks, we saw miracles at Lambeau. Just, it was just a great week one of football brilliant 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 and amazingly in week one a historic fact was achieved not a single new head coach in the league managed to win a game Steve Wilkes Matt Nagy Matt Patricia Frank Reich Pat Shermer John Gruden ah. Mike Vrabel <laughs> oh and seven between them wow wow isn't I, that, that is crazy something. that is something uh, so we uh, this this head coaching malarkey not easy. Uh, that's why Mike Malarkey's not doing it anymore. Hot takes uh, so, from Will Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so coming up on the show, Matt Sherry will join us to break down in depth four of the biggest games from Sunday, and we'll rattle through the rest of the games as well. And we're going to talk Sunday night football and Monday night football. Plus, we'll get the latest odds on the Super Bowl, the MVP, etc., from our friends at Skybet right at the end of the show. Um, Ollie, I think we have to start with Sunday Night Football. Uh, I mean, if ever a game was of two halves, if ever a team was so reliant on one player, or two teams almost, um, it, it had an incredible debut, it had despair. It This, if you were to write a movie script about a single game, you would write this game. Because it was un. Unbelievable. Uh, indeed. Uh, I mean, unbelievable from a perspective of first half, Khalil Mack, absolute wrecking ball, uh, had the interception for the pick six, strip sack for the fumble, completely ruined that side of the line throughout the game and allowed other players like Akeem Hicks to make plays, other players uh, like... Uh, Roquan Smith. Uh, like uh, Roquan Smith to make plays. Roquan Smith. I mean, honestly, Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith have trained less than I have this summer, and they come in and they have a first half performance like that. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you really saw Matt Nagy start to put something together. They were doing all sorts of fancy looks. They were splitting out tackles out wide. They were running run pass option. They were doing all sorts of really intricate stuff with the offense. And you have to say that when they went in at the half, uh, twenty to seventeen, was, um, yeah. 17 to nothing up and then came out in the second half and that first drive six and a half odd minutes uh, drove it down the field took time off the clock got the field goal you were despairing for Green Bay and that's even without the Aaron Rodgers situation now to focus first of all on the Bears and what happened with them after that point and when Rodgers made the comeback they uh, I think that Matt Nagy showed every positive and every negative of the fact that he's worked under Andy Reid, first of all, in Philadelphia mm. and in Kansas City. 
The scripting of his plays was excellent. The young quarterback looked confident from moment one. They moved the ball about. They did some really interesting stuff on offense. The defensive side of the ball, they just let playmakers make plays. That's exactly how it needed to work. Second half, the defense couldn't handle the way that the Packers changed their offense to react to the Aaron Rodgers injury. And the offense went super conservative. They had all sorts of time. Uh, they, they had a delay of game on a punt. They had wasted timeouts early in halves. They had, it just was an absolute mess from a game management perspective. Everything that has been negative about Andy Reid was there, as well as everything positive as well. So a, a tough first game for Matt Nagy in the NFL, but so much fantastic so so much potential ceiling there. So much excitement. Mitchell Trubisky, Ollie, is a man you have not had a lot of faith in. And you saw some throws in this game which really, really made you well, go, there were the throws. There was the way he used his feet to, to get across the gain line. I just... What he did against, albeit not a very good first-half defensive performance from Green Bay, I thought was brilliant. Their offensive line, Chicago's offensive line, was brilliant up until probably the the last couple of um, series that Chicago had in the fourth quarter. Uh, Up until then, they gave him all the time that he needed. I really love Jordan Howard, and Tariq Cohen looks really dangerous, both as a passer and a receiver, sorry, as a rusher and a receiver. Um, So I really liked what they did. Trubisky, he had a few moments. There was the the, the misjudged throw out to Dion Sims in the first half uh, and there were a couple of other options a couple of other occasions but I think actually Chicago were done not only by Aaron Rodgers but I think there were some dubious and questionable play calls when they could have run the ball rather than throwing the ball to uh, 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 Tariq Cohen who was covered by a defensive lineman you just run the ball they saw that that, that that was the case and that was on third and something in the Green Bay in, in the red zone and they let that slip but when we go to Aaron Rodgers he was he was a bro- he, it seemed like he was a broken mount in that first half the offensive line could not cope as you said, with Khalil Mack and the the rest of that defensive front and, and some of the stuff that they doing, were doing in the backfield. They were swarming all over the shop. But when Green Bay came out in the second half, and you brilliantly put it in, in such a way that um, they changed the way that they played, and you think that... Well, t- tell the listeners what you think about how Green Bay started to play after that. Now, what's interesting is what I said on Saturday night, uh, Sunday night on TalkSport, and I'm not laying claim to this in any way, shape or form. (laughs) I'm just saying that it's good to see that somebody else agrees with me. The second half comeback from Green Bay was as Patriots-esque as I've ever seen. Because Aaron Rodgers, so he gets the leg injury. We all know about that at this point. Comes out in the second half. No, surely they're not going to play him. Comes out at 20 nothing down. Puts together some masterful series and ends up winning the game. Ends up staging a huge comeback. 24-23 win. Including one of the best throws I have legitimately ever seen in my life. The Geronimo Allison touchdown, considering he's not putting his weight on his front foot, considering he's practically off his feet. A back foot throw. The amount of arm talent and arm strength he has to put the ball where he does it with that amount of power whilst not having his feet properly set is 
I don't think there's another quarterback in the NFL who could do that. I think there are maybe players like Russell Wilson might have the arm strength, so could maybe pull it off. But if you said, all right, Aaron Rodgers, you've got to make that throw 10 times. Russell Wilson, you've got to make that throw 10 times. Aaron Rodgers makes it far more regularly than Russell Wilson does, is my point. But... What was big is that because of his lack of mobility, they moved him back into a lot of pistol and a lot of shotgun, whereas Aaron Rodgers generally operates directly under center so he can roll out, so he can get outside the pocket, so he can make those freelancing plays that he does. Forcing him to work as an in-rhythm, in-time quarterback, an on-schedule quarterback, where he was getting the ball out in under two seconds, where he was finding Adams and Cobb and those guys coming off the outside, Ty Montgomery out the backfield as well. Geronimo Allison, where his... Accuracy is so good that he did. This is why I said Brady esque. He kept throwing those receivers open, even though he was hitting them so early in their routes and so on schedule. The Randall Cobb touchdown was placed so perfectly into such a tight window to the exact position where Randall Cobb could take the ball on, continue his momentum, beat that hole that existed in the defense and end up running it in for a touchdown. Same can be said about another play to Devontae Adams in the second half uh, on a slant route. Those are things that he doesn't do regularly because he's so often looking. We love Aaron Rodgers because he gets outside the pocket. He makes Hail Marys. He makes unbelievable throws. He does ridiculous things. But actually, if you go back to 2016 when he had hamstring problems and he had to operate out of the pocket and he had to operate in the shotgun and pistol, he was an MVP candidate and probably should have won it over Matt Ryan based on individual performance. If you take the the strict meaning of the word MVP... Mm. The Falcons' offense that year was ridiculous, but he was on another level, Aaron Rodgers. I think if this knee injury is not bad enough to keep him out of games, Green Bay might be a better offense this year because he's forced to change the way he approaches the games, and you won't get those situations where you get a three and out because he's tried to freelance when there was an open I think it's a cracking shout because what you also are getting, if he is standing back, he's also surveying better where the where the threats are coming from and therefore get the ball out quicker. The Randall Cobb touchdown for 75 yards really reminded me of the Green Bay against Arizona playoff game where um, I think it was Carson Palmer on his own goal line. All right, this was a bit further forward, but on his own goal line spotted Larry Fitzgerald in a very similar situation, hit him in stride, and then Fitzgerald managed to get it, I think, all the way down to the five, maybe even have scored. But it was very, very similar. Carson Palmer, not a movable quarterback. Aaron Rodgers wasn't a movable quarterback on quarterback, sorry, on on um, on Sunday, and it it proved as such. But he ended up looking like a better quarterback and I totally totally agree with you what a game what an incredible comeback against a fierce fierce rivals I was a broken man first half I was a joyous man yeah, my, my final thing the final thing I want to say instagram.com forward slash will gav I have saved my insta story as a highlight on my homepage. Just watch Ollie go through the ringer. That is, as far as Insta stories go, including the Super Bowl, including WrestleMania, that is the thing I've had the most interaction from. And it's been all a lovely, Ollie. Uh, Pat from Minnesota got in touch saying, my boy, Ollie. Uh, Carrie Carlisle got in touch going, never let that man change. Huh. Like everyone was wow. giving you so much of an outpouring of love. So, yeah, that's well worth going and checking out. Look, the other thing is Khalil Mack. 
made John Gruden look very yeah. silly on Sunday night. And we're going to be talking about the Monday night football games and doing a quick roundup of some of the other games. But of four of our key takeaways from the weekend... Up next, let's speak with Gridiron's Matt Sherry. Right, joining us now on the line to talk about some of the big matchups from Sunday's action, including his beloved Patriots, of course. Gridiron editor Matt Sherry. Matt, uh, we've been speaking a little bit before the show. The first thing the listeners are going to notice is that your weekend in Benidorm clearly has left you feeling a little bit worse for wear. Yeah, as you can hear, it's it's not ideal. It's actually a lot better than it was, so I can I can get functional sounds out of my mouth again um, I mean that's debatable mate <laughs> yeah that's true that, that's, ne- that's never something that I can do sounds oh you walked into that one <laughs> soon, as, soon as the word functional left my mouth I knew I was in big trouble there like much like I was for, for a large portion of the weekend Sherry have you become uh, more Geordie or North Eastern wherever it is you're from you've, it seems like you've become YI more like that like yeah, maybe. I've been living back up north again for for an extra few months. I mean, we've not. I've not done it. I've done the podcast in a few maybe since the draft. So maybe we need to talk to you more often on the phone and not just in electronic form to make sure that we keep that accent nice and uh, you know just just bring it down a little bit by yeah, uh, yeah. talking to our southern softy voices. Well, of course, I uh, listen to the to the uh, Gridiron ESPN Player Extra College Football Podcast. So. I mean, I know your voice from that, but it just it seems way more. It seems way more Geordie. It, it doesn't matter. I like it. It, I like it, might it. Be, it might be because I'm so so badly struggling just to get words out because of the lingering effects of copious amounts of alcohol in Benidorm <laughs> on my vocal cords. Sure, sure, sure. God, you hanging out with uh, with Johnny Vegas and the whole crew. Uh, right, let's let's cover. We're going to do four games with Matt on the line. They've all got various nice connections to, to Matt Sherry and to Gridiron. And I want to start off with Chargers Chiefs Sunday night, uh, Sunday evening football, because la- the first uh, edition of the year, Pat Mahomes on the cover. First of all, I have to apologise to Chiefs fans because I was concerned that your defence was going to be so bad that whilst you were going to be fun to watch, you were going to struggle against good teams like the Chargers. Turns out that you just need to score lots and lots and lots of points and you apparently have an offence that will do that. Yeah, incredible. I mean, I was most intrigued to watch the the Chiefs of any team in the NFL. I think this weekend because it was I watched a bit of Mahomes in the preseason simply because we'd obviously went so big on him in the magazine, and you could just see that they were completely holding their whole offense back in terms of what they were actually going to do on offense. And look at what they unfurled. I mean, we've gone from I mean, people should watch the second half of the Bears game and see what Kansas City's offence essentially looked like last year with Alex Smith in, in that. They couldn't push the ball down the field. This is absolutely the opposite now with Mahomes at the at the helm. It's incredible. You can see an, an, an extra gear for an already insane talent in Tyreek Hill. I mean, we tipped him to be MVP. I think we tipped Tyreek Hill to have more touchdown catches than any other player this season. And we also tipped the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl, and I feel... I genuinely feel really good about all those predictions right now. I don't think there's a, a team in the league who wants to go up against that offence. I mean, it's it's absolutely stacked. Yeah, Tyreek Hill coming out with that, uh, with the return touchdown from the beginning. We know he has game-breaking speed, but, you know, particularly when you've spent the season preparing for fancy, etc., there's always that kind of concern with those big-play players that uh, he's got... A, I, I think it's already 
eight touchdowns of 50-plus yards in his career in the first year he's been in the NFL, not including kick returns. So that's already a ridiculous number. And in your mind, you're like, that's not sustainable, except apparently it is sustainable against a really good Chargers defense. Um, How much of this was the Chiefs being fantastic and how much of it was the Chargers just chargersing things up? I mean, it was a combination of both. I think the charges really miss Bosa. I mean, it's an obvious thing to say for for such a game wrecker, but I think it is a different game if you've got both him and Ingram on either side. And But there were so many charges things. I mean, they did miss a field goal in the end. I think they made their first two. They had a muff punt at a point at the end of the game where they had a chance to get back into it. So, yeah, it was very, very chargery as well. So... The other thing is, Kansas City just absolutely own this team. I don't think the Chargers have beaten them for about four years, like which is insane when they play each other twice a year in that division and when the Chargers throughout that period have had a, a kind of top ten quarterback talent. So, so yeah, I just think I just think the Chiefs generally seem to be certainly since Andy Reid's got to Kansas City a terrible, terrible matchup for the Chargers. Sherry, for those now- people that didn't watch. The game. What impressed you most about Pat Mahomes? I mean, the accuracy. Because ultimately, everybody knows he can he can throw the ball a long way. But I thought he showed good touch. I mean, some of the throws were really spectacular, and that's what you get with Mahomes. He's he's got an unbelievable arm, but he just looked really in control of the offense. And I mean, that's that's easier said than done. Andy Reid is is still such a schematic genius as well, which is why we're so high on Mahomes. I mean. This guy is absolutely brilliant. There's no, there's a lot of things that I could criticise Andy Reid for as a head coach, but as an offensive coach, I'm, I feel like every, everybody loves Sean McVeigh and rightly so, but I think for the year-to-year success he's piled up, Reid is, is maybe the best offensive mind in the NFL at the moment, and especially this, this kid's probably the most talented quarterback he's ever been able to work with as well, and that's exciting because he's, He's delivered great returns with with guys who have a lot less talent than Pat Mahomes. And I think from the, while we're doing with everything this week, we're kind of caveating the week one hyperbole train. And let's not forget that we saw it in previous seasons with Andy Reid, where they have been great scheming early on, first month, first six weeks, and then they start to get figured out a bit and they haven't reacted to it well. So I want to see what this Chiefs team, whether they still look this impressive offensively, come week eight, come week eight, come week nine, we'll I, I think part of that tape is the... on Pat Mahomes and whether they have some, and when people have seen exactly what they do. I do think part of that in previous years, though, is, is the general limitations of what you can do with Alex Smith. I think that Mahomes just... It's just so much more dynamic. And the weapons are so... I mean, I was looking at their weapons and then I was thinking, oh, God, they've got Kareem Hunt, you know, the guy who led the league in Russian last year. So so they are, they are stacked all over the place in that offence. Three more games we want to do while we've got Sherry on the line. Let's go to his beloved New England Patriots running out 27 to 20 winners over the Houston Texans. Uh, I don't like, we'll get to the Pat side of things in a moment, but obviously the big thing that people wanted to see in this game was how Deshaun Watson would come in off the back of that horrendous injury, off the back of the, the brilliant run of performances that led up to that injury. So, Sherry, how did he look? Um, terrible. But I mean that's that's not that's not necessarily something that's unexpected for a quarterback coming off a torn ACL. I mean, 
even Tom Brady in his first year back from a torn ACL didn't look great and certainly not in the early weeks um, yeah it wasn't good I mean the thing was Watson was so electrifying last year but it's not like he was a traditional stand in the pocket make four reads NFL quarterback he was electrifying and moving around and they did some cool things in that offence for him so it's going to be difficult similar to RG3 it's going to be difficult for a guy like that to come back and immediately look like he did last year I think so Certainly some grown pains. I think New England were just a terrible matchup for the Texans because just because of the fact that New England have Jacksonville this week, they kind of needed to win. Otherwise, you, they, they could be staring down the barrel of own too. So I thought the Patriots looked a lot more prepared than they are for usual. So it was a bad matchup for the Texans. And I mean, the game was nowhere near as close as the final score either. But it was troubling. But by the same account, Ding. it is what it is, isn't it? Uh, I thought from the page, from what I saw of this game, uh, the Patriots' most impressive element was the the stuff in the trenches because I thought Marcus Cannon did a really good job of, of keeping JJ Watt quiet for most of the game. He grew into it a bit, Watt, and we saw more of him out of the second half. But another guy, you know, coming off injury, Jadavian Clowney, uh, very rarely in the game himself as well. And then you actually had some pass rush. It was incredible, wasn't it? Very. I mean, I've been I've been quietly excited about the pass rush this year because they've got some young guys now who... You were quietly excited about the pass rush last year, though, and that didn't go well. Yeah, but those young guys at that point were rookies. I always think in year two, it's a bit better. And also, Adrian Claiborne's just a, a good edge guy who is certainly an upgrade on Eric Lee and James Harrison. So, yeah, I mean, Trey Flowers was the star again. He He's a guy who they really need to pay. I mean, he's this is the last year of his contract, and he's outstanding he's brilliant for their scheme he's he's one of the most consistent defensive ends in the league he's not a pure pass rusher but he's very good at at everything that he does but it, it looked good I mean one guy I would point out is is Trent Brown who that they got for a song from the 49ers and I don't know whether this was some kind of post Dale Garoppolo kickback but he looks immediately like a big upgrade on on Nate Solder who struggled badly against the Jaguars for the Giants in his debut. He looks the guy's six foot eight, he's athletic. They've got his weight down and he, he can just block people. I mean he, he he blocked Clowney out of the game. It was really, really impressive. So it was good. I mean I thought Brady looked looked off. I didn't think he looked great. I mean you could tell he hasn't had much of a preseason. Um but it's Tom Brady's Tom Brady. His his interception was unfortunate. It was a deflected pass. He just did what he needed to do, and the guy he often looked to was was Gronk, who I thought, along with Trey Flowers, was was the best player on the field. I was going to ask you about Gronk and Brady, but I'll, I'll move on to Philip Dorsett. Looks like a guy who um, Tom Brady is starting to trust. Yeah, and a guy who I think I said to you guys last season, they really they really like him. I remember talking about it Super Bowl week last year. He came in essentially just before week one and. It's so difficult for wide receivers to pick up that system that any player they sign in those circumstances is up against it. So he had a great camp and he looked really good. I think the exciting part about him was he looked so in sync with Brady, maybe more than, certainly more than Chris Hogan, a guy who's been there a lot longer. So yeah, that was about one catch for about seven yards or something, Hogan. Yeah, Hogan had a really, really bad game. Fantasy darling. Yeah, and that's the problem with you know when when Edelman gets in you people think well who's the next guy and you think it's Hogan but then 
the, the opposition look at it like that as well. So I think he saw more coverage than usual. And at the end of the day, he is a average second to third starter. So it's difficult for him to be the number one. But yeah, Dorset's exciting because unlike someone like Hogan, if he gets the, the, the mental side of the game right, the guy's got all the physical skills. I mean, he runs a 4-3-4, he's fast, he's, he's got a lot to offer. So I think when Edelman's back, you look at that pass-catching corpse and it's it's a lot more exciting than maybe it looked ahead of uh, ahead of week one. But they'll st- they're still going to struggle a little bit. I mean, I think, I think Sunday will be a really tough game for them in Jacksonville. Look, I'm delighted for the Cleveland Browns that they are undefeated in 2018. That's great for them, but they very much could have won this game of football on several occasions. Yes, it was wet. Yes, it was raining. Yes, it was difficult circumstances. But legitimately, this was a a winnable game for them. And when Hugh Jackson comes out afterwards and suggests that the reason Josh Gordon started the game was due to confusion over formations and personnel packages, you do just start to think, uh, like... You set up to do much better. No, did start the game. He right. wasn't meant to start. What? He was on the field from the beginning because they had confusion over how the personnel was in certain packages, and so he was out on the field, and Hugh Jackson just had to go with it. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because ultimately there are, even at the start of a game, instances where as much as the players are scripted, the personnel groupings might not necessarily be based on what the defence is doing at the other side, but... When you're trying to make a point to the guy, it's just absolutely incredible, isn't it? You're saying he's not going to start as, a, as we're making a point to him, and then he starts. It's, I mean, I, I just thought the whole, I mean, we've not spoken about hard knocks, but the whole hard knocks thing summed up everything. Well, well, me, and Ollie, me and Ollie have talked about hard knocks plenty, trust I me. I mean, but. It, it, just, <laughs> it just summed it up, and, and so does this. The guy has got absolutely no control whatsoever over what's going on in it in in his building or in his chair as he so aggressively put it on the first week of hard knocks. I mean, he's absolutely clueless and it's disappointing for me because I really, really liked him in the irony is that he was actually the star of Hard Knocks a few years ago as a as a running backs coach in Cincinnati. But it's just a shambles and I mean even more of a shambles is the end of the game, which I'll never Cannot for the life of me get yeah. over a team who have won one of the last um, 32 games before that game. They get the ball back with the turnover. They're in Pittsburgh territory. The field goal is basically the same distance in bad rain that they've just watched a very good Pittsburgh kicker miss. You've got about, I think you had about 30 seconds left, maybe longer. There was more than enough time left to run three plays. Just do it. Get closer in. Give yourself a throw chance the to ball. win the game. They didn't it's throw just... the ball enough in that situation. Jarvis Landry had a really good game. Josh Gordon had just come up with a really good catch as well. Um, Rashad Higgins had, had had made a few plays also. The problem I think they had was Tyrod Taylor looked knackered. He looked absolutely done. Come ooh, the, maybe the end of the, the, the fourth quarter, maybe the middle of the fourth quarter. So... I'm not putting in, I'm not putting that on um, on on Jackson there, but he should have he should have lobbed the ball up to either Landry or Gordon because because Landry Landry had a really great game as, as many times as you want to as well. I mean, yeah. at the end of the at the end of the day, you you take your three players and get as close as you can. You at the end of the day, if you if you turn the ball over, you turn it over. The reality was that 
a 43-yard field goal doesn't sound like a lot, but in those conditions, it was essentially a 50-plus yarder. It wasn't a guarantee by any stretch of the imagination. And so it proved. I mean, it just ridiculous. I don't really understand the Tyrod Taylor thing either at this point. I mean, did he complete even 50% of his passes in this game? I, I just don't get it. I don't get how... I, I feel like no, Jackson... I feel like Jackson is just desperate to keep his job. So he thinks the longer he holds off starting Baker Mayfield, the, the better it is for his chances because he can always say, well, we've got the first overall pick waiting in reserve. If Tyrod Taylor isn't even giving you 50% completions against a defence that after Shazier got injured last year was bottom five in the NFL and I still don't think is any good, then w- what's the point? You've got the first overall pick, just play. It's absolutely insane to me. A lot of things I don't understand about what's going on in Cleveland, and I think I think Hugh Jackson is the root cause of ninety percent of them. So that's the, the final kind of game we wanted to talk about. We're not going to talk about the Steelers quickly, well as well, because talk about a joke, a relentless <laughs> well, I, joke. The the thing with the Steelers. So what I will say, because we've been pretty negative on the Browns, the way they handled the end of the game. To get back into it, and to it felt like a tie was going to feel like a win, the way they did come back into that game. The, the Steelers, I mean, we've talked a lot about the Lev Bell situation, but there's still a conversation to they be had about. They need to get rid of him. I mean, okay, he's got- James Conner had a good game. I'm not, I think this is a really negative situation for both players right now, uh, for both player and team, sorry, right now. And with the way that the O-line, the way that um, Ramon Foster and, uh, and Pouncey celebrated Conner's first touchdown in a way to, as if to make the point, See, we don't need you, Le'Veon Bell. Was an absolute farce. Yeah, it was. It was borderline disgusting from two players I like a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand why they do it because Le'Veon Bell is the problem here. It's not the rest of the roster, is it? I mean, I'm the, sorry, I don't know. I don't buy that. It's this is the business of the NFL. This is, yeah, but it is the way it, they have behaved is not the way that teammates behave, even if you are frustrated with the player. Le'Veon Bell might be the problem. That doesn't mean that their behaviour is in any way excusable. I mean, but it sums up the whole culture in the building, which is the reason that they've had three of the best players in the NFL for the last five years and not come close to even sniffing the Super Bowl. But I mean, I think Le'Veon Bell is just. I can't think of a player that talented in the in the whole league who I would rather have on my team less. I mean, this he's also a guy the Steelers have stuck by through suspensions, injuries, a litany of off the field stuff. I'm I'm, I'm stunned they've let it get this far by franchise tagging him again. Just get him out. They've got to get rid of him. It it's clearly going to do more damage in the locker room to bring that guy back in earning fourteen million dollars a year when. The rest of the team are openly revolting. And frankly, I agree completely with the rest of the team because he's been given far too much leeway for too many years. This is a guy who was running his mouth on Twitter at the end of last season before a game that they ultimately lost. I mean, a litany of things with this guy. I mean, and it sums up Pittsburgh. Everything sums up Pittsburgh. It was a great comeback from Cleveland, but it was allowed to happen by a veteran quarterback turning the ball over in farcical circumstances. It's just, there is such a frustrating team, and I say it as somebody who as a fan enjoys it, but I don't enjoy it from the perspective of very talented team who you just relentlessly watch it wasted by a, a coaching situation that is just so undisciplined that it's it's staggering, absolutely staggering. So I, the, I, my whole point is, I agree with you that I agree with the linemen. 
we shouldn't know that that's the lineman's thoughts. That's yeah. my point. And I think there is a, that is, as you say, an, an issue with the, the way the team handle their business internally, the coaching, everything else. And you and I have agreed for some time that for a team that only turn over their coach once every 20 odd years, they need to be looking at a change because the culture is wrong there. Right. Sherry, while we've got you, last one we want to talk about with you is Seattle, Denver, your boy Dangerous going up against <laughs> uh, going up against the, uh, uh, the the pass rush of the Denver Broncos. And, and what really struck me about this game is that Vance Joseph essentially completely saw that Von Miller was absolutely bossing this game and essentially just trusted his defence to do the job because of how good Von Miller is. Yeah, I mean, it was a mixed day for Denver, wasn't it? Because Case Keenan wasn't great. I mean, he was terrible. Not not great. Um, but he made he ended up making enough players largely because of how good Von Miller was. It, it cracks me up a lot when I read about Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack essentially being guaranteed the best two defensive players in football. And I feel like Von Miller almost gets forgotten, which is staggering for somebody who had the best postseason of any defensive player I can remember just two years ago and just remains so good. I mean, he is so, 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 so good, Von Miller. And the funny part is the rest of that Denver defence doesn't look like the Denver defence of two years ago, but he does. He was absolutely awesome in this game. Seattle, Seattle, I was hopeful on coming into the air more than other people, but you can just see that there isn't the talent there now. So On the defensive a, side of the ball, it's, it's yeah. not even close to where they were. The linebackers don't cover. And actually, it's interesting you mention the, the, uh, the, the kind of the rest of the talent on the Denver defense, because one thing we didn't mention that we should mention about the Browns game is Denzel Ward. What a day that young man had. Uh, as, as a rookie, they took when they could have taken Bradley Chubb. I know we're only one game in, but it looks like, you know, a premier corner for many is as good as a premier pass rusher, and they already had a premier pass rusher there. I'm not saying Bradley Chubb isn't going to be brilliant as well, but they've made a pretty good decision there, whereas for Denver, it's still very much jury out. Yeah, it's early days, but I mean, if all Bradley Chubb needs to do is just watch the guy opposite him and copy everything he ever does, because this game was literally all about Von Miller. This was a guy taking over and winning a game and and I feel a bit for, for Russell Wilson in Seattle because the cupboard is so bare now. I mean, it's insane. You look at their draft record over... When Doug Baldwin got hurt yeah, as well. I mean, that's, going, that's it. You absolutely serious? He's thrown the ball to Brandon Marshall several times in the second half. And truthfully, the only the only big play Seattle had was like a 50-yard touchdown to, to Tyler Lockett. And that was a busted coverage. So, yeah, I mean, the cupboard is really, really bare in Seattle. I, I kind of thought that a bit of good coaching from Pete Carroll and a return to their original culture might make them a better team than people think, but I'm not convinced they can overcome the, the talent deficiencies. The offensive line looked bad again, and I wasn't excited at all about any of their coaching hires, and um, Sundays did little to make me feel any better. I don't like Schottenheimer or Ken Norton really as coordinators. I don't think that... I think they're basically failed coordinators at every stop that they've had. So, yeah, I do worry for Seattle. Denver, I just think, are going to be a mediocre six-win team. And I think that's what makes the loss even worse for Seattle. There are some um, there are some big rumours that Russell Wilson and his agent have been floating the potential for him to go at the end of this contract. And 
whilst obviously the franchise tag and everything exists, you can understand why they're potentially looking at trying to find him a trade or a move out of there, if that is true. Because, honestly, I... <laughs> It just, I mean, yeah, you, you have to look back at the last three or four drafts. I mean, there's, they, there's barely a player on the roster from them. Uh, basically, since old... Um, Scott McLuhan left. Yeah, Scott McLuhan left. They've drafted, I think, one pro bowler, and it was a kick returner. Yeah, it's That's not it. Although, one thing for people to watch, one other reason than Russell Wilson to watch Seattle, this pundit they've got... Oh, it's unbelievable. My best, the best overall player in the NFL in terms of how much better he is than any punter I've ever seen. Incredible. Why? Uh, He absolutely, he broke records on Sunday um, by having so many kicks within, it was the number of kicks combined with where they were landing. um, uh, Like the number that he got down within the two. Like he just, his accuracy is absolutely ridiculous at landing stuff down within the five, down within the ten. He's routinely dropping kicks on like the two yard line and then they just ping directly out of bounds. It's incredible Amazing. to watch. Yeah, they, they honestly might win games based on punting. Yes. Hashtag kick watch. Great. Right. It's Matthew Sherry. Those are the four games we were chatting with you about. You need to go and rest your little voice up, mate. Ready yeah, for your college part. That was far too much of a stint for me. I've got to do the college one tomorrow. So, yeah. Enjoy the rest of it, boys. Bye-bye, man. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. And, uh, yeah, we'll chat soon. Cheers, Sherry. Ta-ra. Right, that was Matt Sherry. Now we're going to uh, run through the rest of the weekend's games. Because the problem is we could do like a two-and-a-half-hour show on the Monday after the opening weekend quite easily. No problem whatsoever. Because... The fact is, is that we could go through every team, break down every little thing, but there's a lot of weeks of the season left. We'll talk about a lot of these teams when we preview next weekend. We've still got to speak to Skybet. We've still got to have a little look forward to Thursday night football. So let's talk through the other of this weekend's games. I mentioned the Khalil Mack situation and the embarrassment that he put on uh, on Gruden because, well... Two games Monday night football. The Los Angeles Rams against the Oakland Raiders. Rams run out 33-13 to 13 winners. The New York Jets against the Detroit Lions. These are two games which both started close. Close first halves, somewhat surprisingly. And then one team just absolutely dominated the second half. For the Jets, their defense looks absolutely legitimate. I've said yeah. the word legitimate a lot today. But honestly... Uh, loving, uh, loving the the uh, Jamal Adams had an amazing game and made the pick six, and the fact that Sam Darnold came in made that terrible, terrible throw the pick six to start the game, and then ended up going on to have a really confident, nice game, a few good throws, competent quarterback play, special team scores. Honestly, the Jets. I've looked like a completely different team. I'm just trying to figure out whether the Lions are charlatans, and that's why. I think it's probably a bit of both and the commentators during the game said as much themselves too. Firstly, for Darnold to come back the way he did is so, so impressive, isn't it? The, just, the stones and the onions to say, right, that was that. I think Todd Bowles actually said it as well. I'm glad that he did that, got it out of his system and the nerves just went. And then he just played brilliant, brilliant football. They, they've... The playbook looked a little bit more simplified, but when you had Quincy Anunua, um, Terrell Pryor, both of those, and Ro- the, the pass to Roby Anderson, by the way, was just absolutely out of this world. On a plate, I, I loved it. And the rushing game looked 
really, really good with Crowell and Powell just complementing each other really well. And yeah, that, that defense looked outstanding. I'm worried. It, it, it was interesting because what the Jets were doing was kind of there was some innovative stuff, and they looked they looked sharp. They looked they looked interesting on offense, and it was it was night and day with the Detroit offense because they looked slow they looked laborious Stafford looked out of sorts I think the thing is Matt Stafford in that game had five or six throws which I think 20 to 25 quarterbacks in this league would have struggled to make this weekend really top end top end throws to throw guys open to make great plays down the sidelines you're like how are you the same quarterback that makes throws like that that comes in after an injury and makes plays like that and yet also throws Three terrible picks and one pick, which maybe wasn't his fault, but even mm. so, four picks on the night for him. It's it was. You want to talk about a nine day performance? His was it. They've got a big task when yeah. they go to San Francisco this weekend, and, and the Jets come out rolling. Good for them. For for the Rams Raiders, I mean, the, the thing that stood out for me is that the the Raiders looked like a good team in the first half, like much better than I expected. Um, they. They obviously missed Khalil Mack. Bruce Irvin had a good first half, but once the Rams managed to start getting into a little bit of rhythm in the second half, they looked so much stronger. I was impressed with the offense in the first half. Jared Cook had a good game. Uh, Amari Cooper, Jordy Nelson, Seth Roberts only combined for five catches for 43 yards, but uh, against those really amazing Rams cornerbacks. But they managed to get things clicking in the first half, in the first couple of series. And then they just disappeared off a cliff. It mm. was, I, I still, I stand by. People got all excited in the first quarter about the Raiders. I still think the Raiders are going to be a bad football team this year. I, I tend to agree with you. They really faded away. I, it's an anomaly. Anomaly. Sorry that Jared Cook had the game that he did, 180 yards. He's never had a game like that before. There was. A, there I don't was know. A, he's he's led the receiving in three of the last. Six years on teams he's been in from tight end. Well, okay. um, so that's I just mean, an indication that he's been on bad teams, though. I think it could be, and he's a big body, and it is a matchup thing. But the Rams, their defense just grew and grew into the game and dominated that offense. And I think we'll see more and more of that down the stretch from the Raiders. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers forty-eight, New Orleans Saints forty. Just the most ridiculous game. Oh, Sorry, I had to do that. Yeah, you absolutely had to do that because Fitzmagic had the game of his career. 21 of 28, 417 yards and four touchdowns. And look, Fitzpatrick's willingness to throw the ball down the field and to stretch the field, right now, he played better in that game than Jameis Winston played at any point last season against the defence that we liked going into this year. Guys like Marshall and Lattimore, guys like Marcus... Uh, Marcus... Why is his name completely gone from my head? Williams. Anyway, him. Yeah, that one. Um, guys who we really, really liked. Nobody expected the Bucks to go and do this. Yes, we started Alvin Kamara absolutely tearing things up and Drew Brees uh, going for 439 yards and three touchdowns, but... I think they do have an issue with no Mark Ingram because Kamara gained just 29 yards on eight carries, yeah. but he had a load of yards through the air. Um, yeah, I think, that, I, I think the Saints bounce back. I think the Bucks come back down to earth, but this was a great performance. Tell me if Fitzpatrick has another good game against Philadelphia. 
and uh, because Jameis Winston's not back for another four games, say they go three and one, does Winston come straight back in? I think there has to be a serious conversation about it. I genuinely do. Well, I'm let's not have sure. that conversation closer to time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well said, sir. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah you're right. I, the only thing I'd be really concerned about um, with, uh, with the Saints is no sacks. Marcus Davenport, not a factor. Alex Okafor, not a factor. Cameron Jordan made to disappear. The all-pro defensive end, not a good game for that defensive front. Uh, they are going to have to pick up in a big way going forward. One team who did have an incredibly impressive defensive performance was the Jacksonville Jaguars. 20-15 uh, <laughs> to 15 winners over the New York Giants in New York. Um, the uh, Eric Flowers going against Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngokwe was borderline embarrassing. Eli Manning completely underdressed the entire day from that right side of the line. Stupid, rash decisions because of that, like the tipped pick six, which made all of the difference. Um, and honestly, the the interior play is still poor enough to, to keep the Giants out of the postseason anyway. I, I think that the, the Giants... What's funny is, Saquon Barkley, you look at the headline news, you're like, ah, exciting. Touchdown. Lots of yards. Fantastic. But that's because of one 68-yard touchdown mm. run. Outside of that, he averaged just 2.24 yards per carry against a very good defense. But they, uh, the Giants did not look like a, a winning football team on Sunday. It was a great block from Sterling Shepard on the outside, which then allowed uh, Saquon Barkley to get that touchdown. And with, without that uncharacteristic block from a, a, a wide receiver then yeah you're right it doesn't look good from a stat point of view and also maybe even the eye test from Saquon Barkley Jacksonville um, I loved what they were doing on defence obviously I just the, the, the question marks remain over Blake Bortles he played he did do they what question marks <laughs> over Blake Bortles I mean ov- obviously but there were some <laughs> there were some really really good passes in that first quarter but then the pick was entirely on him and he left some other throws out on the field as well so Mm -hmm. again not great Leonard Fournette goes off with a hamstring injury they'll massively miss him because TJ Yeldon obviously is not Leonard Fournette so I worry about them offensively but their defence will always keep them in the game and maybe even win games Uh, have we talked Bengals Colts nope Bengals, uh, Bengals, Clayton Fedelem, Fedelem, Fedelem. Do you pronounce the J? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I uh, don't know. Jack, Do- Jack Doyle with the fumble returned by Fedelem for an 83-yard touchdown to seal the victory. A horrible way to lose this one because at that point the Colts were within striking distance of getting level with the Bengals, and this was going to prove to be. I mean, it ended up being a really exciting ending anyway. Um, when Andrew Luck first came in, threw an interception on his first pass, uh, a ball that he completely forced into coverage, you're like, oh, Lord, he looks nerves, like he's though. on that the was nerves. absolute jitters. But came back in, picked apart since his defense underneath, had that one deep shot to Eric Ebron for the 26-yard touchdown, which was really good. Uh, Ten of the next 12 passes after the inception for 99 and a touchdown. He started to look a little bit like his pre-injury self. Do you want a quarterback who's gone through those surgeries and been out that long to be passing it 53 times in a game, completing 39 of those for 319 and a touch? No, 
You do not want him to be throwing the ball that much. They need to get their run game going, which they haven't got at the moment. But Marlon Mack was out injured. Hopefully that's something they can change. I think Bengals-Ravens Thursday night football is a legitimately... No, stop saying that word. Why is that my new word of the day? Just just replace it with essentially. Essen- the essential. <laughs> yeah, there we go. The, the, it's a great Thursday night game is what I'm saying. It's it's a superb Thursday night game. Um, there's because, not much because you can, yeah. the Ravens beat the Bills, the worst team in football. Well, I just want to go quickly go back to Cincinnati because Dalton's interception. I know you loved what he did after oh, it was intercepted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, getting back and making the tackle proper. Love That's... that, and it was a really good tackle as well. Well done, Andy. And he didn't play that badly, so I was impressed with Dalton. Twenty-one for twenty-eight. But yeah, you're right. The Bills are an absolute... I'd love to swear, but they're a something storm. They're, well, th- what, they are uh, They're awful. a dumpster fire. What, yeah. what you'll see is, I mean, AJ Green had a great game. Joe Mixon, really good game-breaking dual threat ability. Yeah, 95 yeah. yards, 54 receiving yards. Looked really, really good. And then John Ross catching, uh, uh, catching touchdowns left, right and centre, it seemed. I honestly think... That's a, that's a really good matchup against a Ravens defense that was so good this weekend, but against Nathan Peterman. Uh, what was exciting about that Ravens game, what was interesting, three touchdowns for Joe Flacco, and he just looked like a man absolutely possessed, as if he was like, it's going to happen. I, don't, I know Lamar Jackson ended up taking his first regular season snaps, but if their intention was to bring in Lamar Jackson to give Joe Flacco a kick up the arse, the early signs are he has received that kick well. I quite liked what they did as well, using Lamar Jackson as a bona fide rusher, whilst Flacco was the guy that's under centre, as it were, the, the, the starting QB. They'd bring in Jackson for some gadget plays, which is really, really interesting. I mean, against the Bills they saw very quickly that they could do that. I think it happened in the in the second quarter when they were already re- leading by 21 points to nothing or whatever. Um, defensively, they look great. But again, I don't think... We don't know how good the Ravens are until we see them pl- line up and play at least three quarters against the Bengals, which is not good from a, a Ravens point of view, I guess. But the Bills, uh, there's nothing... There's not there's nothing you can talk about you can say positive about them they were dreadful in all aspects uh, the Carolina Panthers run out 16-8 to eight winners over the Dallas Cowboys defensively the Panthers look fantastic Shaq Thompson who's coming for Thomas Davis who's suspended to start the season uh, covered in space plugged holes in the run really got after Dak Prescott got the one sack but hurried him the whole game and it was the perfect compliment to Luke Keekley working side to side making uh, you know, a dozen tackles that was a really really great setup between those two uh, Keekley went down in the fourth quarter with what looked like it might be a bad knee injury but ended up being fine I just think we talked a lot about this uh, I Dak Prescott cannot carry this team on his shoulders and Travis Frederick missing clearly was as big as an issue as we thought it was going to be. Connor Williams, the rookie guard, was pushed back into Prescott's lap time and time and time again. And Mario Addison absolutely destroyed him at one point and pulled down Prescott for a sack fumble to end the game. Zeke, 69 on 15 attempts and a touchdown. Doesn't look like a terrible line, but that when he is all your offense has got... This was genuinely 
bad, bad team on that side of the ball. Some some decent flashes on the defensive side, but yeah, I think it could be a long season for the Cowboys unless they start getting some of those some of those key players back. I think this game was really affected by the conditions. The the the, the same storm that disrupted the Miami game for seven hours or however long it was. The remnants of that were falling on in Charlotte as well. So the weather was absolutely dreadful. So some of that we can we can attribute to how bad the conditions were, especially through the passing game where both quarterbacks seemed to struggle. Um, I'm, I'm gutted for Greg Olsen re-breaking that foot that he broke last year. They'll lean much more heavily now on Devin Funches and Jarius Wright, Tory Smith, et al. Because they haven't got much else in the tight end department. Christian McCaffrey looks okay. But generally, I quite like the Panthers. I, I like what they do. On that other game, with the two weather delays, the game that went on for seven and a half hours total, it's very difficult to make any real judgments on either of these teams because of the conditions. Miami probably survived the conditions better. Uh, you'd hope so as the home team. Um, the big plays were the thing. Interceptions, kick returns, uh, 75-yard touchdown from Tannehill to Stills. And Stills, actually, one thing I will say... The idea of addition by subtraction, Kenny Stills is one player who, for everything Simon Clancy said this off-season, which was, he is the king of the best-case scenario when it comes to his team. But Kenny Stills could be a player who, with Jarvis Landry not in town, will actually flourish because he's going to get the opportunities. He did look excellent and linked up with Tannehill really well. Thought Gore and Drake in the first half before all the nonsense happened looked like a really kind of formidable old guy, young guy pairing who might be able to do some danger. The Titans had their moments, but losing Delaney Walker on the offensive side oh, of the ball God. is going to be... And it's. Have you seen it? You're oh, no, a man who, I can't see things yeah. like that. As I say, you're a man who doesn't do well with those kind of squeamish things. So, uh, yeah, I would avoid it at all costs. Yeah. He's done for the season. I wouldn't be that surprised if he's not done for his career at this point. It's 34 the, years yeah, old. Yeah, the wrong side of 33. Um, Mariota and Taylor Luan went out injured as well. Vrabel said that they think it's going to be positive for Mariota on the, the injury to his arm. And Luan is going through concussion protocols through a hit which Frabel has said isn't or wasn't a dirty hit it's just part of football so that's good from that point of view um, The uh, we talked about how a non how much of a non-factor the Bills are going to be this season slight concern the Cardinals are going to be the same I haven't watched this game back yet to be honest but I'll tell you on Game Pass I don't remember seeing the Cardinals offence once against Washington which is absolutely mad because they had their star player David Johnson coming back and for him not to even be, you know, his first play, not even to be highlighted by Scott Hansen is weird. I mean, the, the Cardinals look toothless. They, they look like their wings have been clipped on offense because nothing was going on. Sam Bradford did not look good. Conversely, Washington... I really, really like. I like what Alex Smith has been doing. The classic 
if you don't mention game management when you mention Alex Smith, you get a slap on the wrist by the <laughs> powers that be. Adrian Peterson rushed for 96 yards. Three he looked great. He looked he good. He great. Yeah, he looked good. Good. He, they used him out of the backfield as well. Two really big... Uh, 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 two really big receptions Chris Thompson just so rare really really nice I really love that Jordan Reed looks looks back and fit and healthy they didn't get their wide receivers involved as much but they're never going to on with the first game with Alex Smith under centre so expect more of their wide receivers to come out as it were over the next coming weeks but I think Washington are clearly the second best team in the NFC East and I can't wait for their games against the Eagles to see how they they match up against each other because their defence nullified what actually is a pretty poor Arizona offense, but let's see. That was some. I've got to say, that was some sherry level hyperbole, and I loved it. I loved every single second of it. Well, what was, uh, was the hyperbole in that? When you said they're clearly the second best team in the NFC. Well, they after are. A week ago, we were saying it's really difficult to pick who's going to come in the next three. You're basing it off one game. A hundred percent, and that that's that's what we do best here. Hyperbole. That's what we do best here on the on the Gridiron Show. Overreaction theater. Hundred um, percent. David Johnson, just 67 total yards. Uh, as you said, Sam Bradford, completely underwhelmed. Uh, just 213 yards total offense. And actually, Steve Wilkes' defense performed pretty well to restrict uh, a, a good Washington offense uh, to just the 24 points. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a tough day for Arizona. And I think that's all the games, Ollie. Willie, I don't think it is. I think that's all the games. There's nothing else to talk about. I think you've uh, purposefully, purposely left one game out because you don't want to talk about it. I don't not want to talk about it. It's just Jimmy Garoppolo finally losing his first game as a starter. And Garoppolo lost. Very good. Very good. It's not as dreadful. I'm sorry. Uh, He had a tough day. His easily his worst game in the NFL. Going up against... It was... There were some issues. The makeshift offensive line, we lost, we've lost. we lost both of our guards to injury, which means that Mike McGlinchey, the rookies, had to move inside. Gary Gilliam coming into right tackle, which has really caused problems. Losing Marquis Goodwin early on, who'd been so good. George Kittle, who flubbed that easy catch oh, for a huge flubbed. game. Flubbed. Um, That's great. I've never heard flubbed before. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, and, you know, uh, Pierre Garçon and Dante Pettis both dropped would-be touchdowns. This is a game where, yes, Garoppolo went too high on Kittle for another touchdown, leaving four points on the field. And, yes, uh, one of his three interceptions was a truly, truly dreadful pass that had no real excuse to it. So it's as much on him as it is others. But this was just one of those days where nothing went right. And partially nothing went right because the Vikings defense is Amazing. Harrison Smith had an absolute field day. Their pass rush is brilliant. Absolutely loving it. And uh, Minnesota, Dalvin Cook, whilst he didn't have the most incredible day on the ground, I think about 40 yards on 16 carries, which had a lot to do with the one thing I will say for the 49ers uh, on Sunday. Fred Warner, the rookie coming in, looked brilliant at linebacker. DeForest Buckner, uh, three sacks on the day. Was it Sam Damashek says, hear me now, believe me later. Dark horse defensive player of the year candidate, DeForest Buckner, if the rest of the defense can perform around him. But But Damon Cook... Willie, he was amazing, DeForest Buckner. Let me read you his, his stat line. 
seven total sack, uh, seven total tackles. As you said, two and a half or three sacks, uh, three and a half tackles. Oh, did they for losses. The third one was a half sack in the end. There yeah. was yeah. conversation over whether they would on the game, but they with Ronald Blair the third. Um, uh, three and a half tackles for losses and three quarterback hits he was a wrecking ball Fred Warner unsigned rookie uh, just just brilliant brilliant the defence and the penetration looks great okay albeit up against uh, an offensive line that doesn't have many fans around the league but yeah, you I, li- I like the Vikings offensive line I think that they were a real asset last year they need to get more on the ground and I think they'll face teams where they'll be able to do so I think if they stay healthy they've got a above average offensive line there okay fair enough fair enough is it do you find it perplexing that Matt Breeder was used less albeit by one carry than Alfred Morris yet Breeder looked in the stat I, I, line and on the eye, much, much better than Freddie Morris. Oh, I didn't mention the Freddie Morris fumble on the goal line, of course, when I was yeah. also talking about missed opportunities. Um, he is a rubbish running back. I'm sorry. He he had two and a half great seasons when his career started that was a lot to do with scheming and a lot to do with him mm. being young running back legs that came in and he worked hard and he was a good player for two and a half years. Nothing in the last three years has suggested to me he should be a feature back on an NFL team anymore. Sorry, Freddie, but you're going to have to do something to prove it. Um, yeah, just, well, just quickly, I think that the not using the running backs in the passing game had a lot to do with the loss of the guards and they really simplified the offense, which I think caused problems across the board. We also have to say Kirk Cousins, uh, he had that brilliant 22-yard touchdown to Stefan Diggs in the second quarter, which was stunning. 244 yards, two touchdowns, didn't give the ball away once. Uh, Hit Adam Thielen, uh, 12 targets, 102 yards, six receptions. Other than the fact that DeForest Buckner got after him, I thought Cousins looked good in a Vikings jersey and the Vikings... You know, when they will see what happened in Green Bay as well, it's going to be a really exciting and competitive NFC North other than Detroit. Uh, 100%, yeah. Um, We've won overreaction. Yeah, no, I I think it's fair enough. Um, I love that all of those matchups are going to be barnstormers, absolute barnstormers. Get involved on, um, on Twitter. Uh, for Thursday night because we will be up and we will be watching the game and we will be live tweeting it as well it's well worth getting on there and having a look as well because we have announced our for our um, London Games party for after the Jaguars-Eagles game the final game at Wembley uh, we're doing this one if you've come to our previous ones at Bloomsbury Lanes you'll know that we put on a good party but now we're putting on a good party a lot closer to Wembley tickets are on there and we literally we run them at £5 which covers our costs uh, our running costs and everything it's not a kind of profit thing but you get the live NFL official merchandise barbecue being served drinks going into the early hour big screen showing all of the games uh, and showing Red Zone it's going to be a really good time so you can find tickets on our social media at Gridiron right now for that well well worth a look Thursday night football coming up is the Bengals against the Ravens. We're going to preview that a little bit with Sky uh, with uh, with Skybet coming up. But uh, yeah, I mean that's going to be a great game, Ollie. I think we both think that, and we've mentioned it already. Based on what these two teams have done in Week One, we're we're, pro- we're already promised a great Week Two. So we'll be back on Friday to review that game and preview the weekend's games. Yeah, looking forward to it already, Willie. Great stuff, right? I haven't slept for like. 40 hours at this point so I am going to bed Uh, (laughs) you've been at work for a very long time so you need to go to bed 
I'll make sure this is out by the morning. So uh, <laughs> hopefully everyone will be listening tomorrow on their way into work, chatting about great, the Great British Bake Off around the water cooler uh, and uh, having just a whale of a time. A hundred percent. A hundred percent, buddy. Uh, Ollie, any final thoughts? Do you know what? I don't think so. I've just, I've loved week one. And I think week two, I think it's going to be almost as good. I, I, I Honestly, I've loved it. Football's well, back, case- baby! <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show. Let's get Super Bowl odds. Some look forward to Thursday night football. And where could Lev Bell be next season with our friends at Skybet? Right, time now to check the latest odds with official betting partner Skybet. Delighted to say that joining us on the line is Jacob Barner. Jacob, how are you doing today, sir? Yeah, very good, thank you. NFL's back, so uh, what more could you want? How, uh, what about yourself? Yeah, I, did you get any sleep uh, over the last two nights? Or? Um, I've had maybe three or four hours. Yeah, Good, the, good yeah. work. The That's... Monday night doubleheader was, uh, was not kind to us, but... <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll it'll ease back into it. It'll be fine yeah. in a couple of weeks. Just got to adjust. Um, <laughs> look, how has this uh, how has this opening we- weekend affected the the Super Bowl odds? Have any of the favourites moved around after the opening weekend? So we've had a couple of moves. Um, at, at the top, it's been pretty pretty steady. You know, obviously the Patriots uh, got their W. Um, the Eagles got one just about. Um, They've they've been moved out slightly, and I think that's probably just because it was a bit of a uh, uh, uninspiring performance um, when they beat the Falcons. Um, so they're now out uh, uh, ten to one. The Eagles, um, the Rams have moved in slightly, and that's a big big favourite for the for the public. We've seen a lot of people back in the Rams all off season, and that's carried on after their win last night. Um, and then the other one is. Um, Mainly the Steelers, I think, um, between the whole Le'Veon Bell controversy, people don't know when he's going to be back, if he's going to be back, and then getting a tie at Cleveland, there might be a, a few people thinking that maybe this is the year it all, don't want to say falls apart, but maybe a team in Baltimore could be on their heels. Well, if it, so if you fancy that the the Steelers are going to turn this around, what can you get right now if they're drifting out? So at the moment they're sitting at ten to one. Um, so we've got them kind of a similar similar rating to the to the Packers and the Rams. They started a bit shorter. Um, and it's not it's not moved loads out, and I think um, a lot of people are thinking that Le'Veon Bell will still will still come back and maybe save the day. And maybe some people think that he doesn't need to. You know, it was a it was a good performance from from James Connor. Um, in lieu of of Le'Veon Bell, so who knows? Now there is one market I'm intrigued by that you guys have got up this week before we get on to Thursday night football, and that's um, Le'Veon Bell. You guys have got a special on where he could start Week One next season. Yes, we do. So um, sometimes when we've got players moving about, I remember a couple of years ago we had one for Peyton Manning before he went over to the Broncos, um, and with it looking like. It looks like he's almost certainly going to be at least testing the market, considering he can't even negotiate for a long-term deal with the Steelers until the end of the season. We thought it'd be quite nice to see what the uh, what the, where the public thought he wanted to go. At seven to four, we've got him to to, to stay with the Steelers and re- renegotiate at the end of the year, um, and uh, and st- stick it back out there. They've they know him the best and. 
by now I should think they know what he wants. It's just a matter of whether they give it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we've got the 49ers. They're sitting at 3-1. to one. Um, For this one, it's uh, if he goes, you're probably looking at teams with cap space. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's going to be a bidding war. There's no chance that the guy doesn't want to get paid. So it's going to be a bidding war. And I think if you're the 49ers, you've got the cap space. They did go all out on McKinnon, and they did probably overpay for McKinnon. But I think Le'Veon Bell also just suits the Shanahan scheme. Oh, it would be unbelievable in that scheme. I don't know whether they'll pay him and McKinnon, but no. he, w- he would work brilliantly there. Who else features on the list? Um, so next up, we've got the Packers. Uh, they've been kind of devoid of a run game for a, a, a long, long time now. And they've got some good rookies there with Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. But um, they could also be in for him. The Browns, you know, there was all the talk of them taking Saquon Barkley. They ended up not doing that and going with um, going with Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward. So there could be an opportunity there if Nick Chubb and Carlos Hyde aren't quite the bell cow backs they're looking for. And the few other interesting ones is the Colts. Again, they need a running game and have done for a while. Um, so the Browns and Colts are both at 13-2. to two. And then the Jets could be, you know, if Sam Darnold turns around and becomes the player that they want him to be, what better way to compliment him than possibly the best running back in the league? And when you're only paying your quarterback pittance compared with a franchise quarterback. Yes. Exactly. I think that Jets, Jets and Colts look a really it. good shout to me if Colts can yeah. do it money-wise, but Colts are in such a rebuild at the moment. Oh, I like that Jets. I might have a little look at that. I'm not going to lie, Jacob. So, um... I've put together a request a bit for, for Thursday night football, uh, the the Ravens going to the Cincinnati Bengals. But at the moment, where's the, the kind of money going on these on these two? So uh, early money um, is going on the Ravens. And um, you'd have to think it's just off the back of such a dominant performance at the weekend, as much as it, it was the Bills. No offense to any Bills fans out there, but it kind of makes it maybe not a, a little bit less impressive. Um, mm. as I think a lot of teams could have gone in there and dominated um, so we'll get a better feel for it on Thursday when the majority of the money comes through but at the moment it's about 90% Baltimore Wow 90% well so I've gone on Baltimore with my request to bet as well and here's how I'm feeling about it so the Bengals were amazing against the run uh, this weekend against the Colts um, and I, so I've got Joe Flacco who had a great day at the weekend going two passing touchdowns uh, I've got uh, two or more passing touchdowns while Baltimore getting uh, the sack lines at two and a half at the moment I think they're going to go over that um, I've got them down to win as well and then what's great about this is that I've gone over on the points at 44 because I think that's quite a low score right now where the line is but actually if you like the rest of the bet and you want to take the under on that you could put your own request to bet in and it'll essentially come out the same because the over under is set at the line so I, I like Baltimore to win over 44 points with two passing touchdowns and three sacks what am i looking at for that so that request to bet is going to go up on site at 10 to 1 um i think yeah i think like like we said baltimore they've uh, that's who the public's getting behind at the moment um with the sacks i mean they had six sacks last week um and the bengals as much as they won the the right side of their offensive line really really struggled bobby hart right tackle um was a bit of a liability and I've 
seen lots of things from Bengals fans already calling for him to be benched. Um, and what stood out to me with the Ravens was they were really creative with their blitz packages. So yeah. it wasn't just your standard going, you know, we had two sacks for the slot corner, Tavon Young. And of those six sacks, they came from five different players. So I could see them maybe trying to target Bobby Hart. And if he doesn't know who's coming, who's going, it could be a really, really long day for him. Yeah, I, I, and between that and Flacco getting three passing touchdowns at the weekend and the Bengals defending the run, I think Alex Collins will still see the ball plenty, but they've got all of those new weapons there. Flacco moved it around between them. Uh, Willie Sneed getting a score. He's got new tight ends there, the, the rookies. They've got, they're really moving that ball around. I, 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 Flacco is trying to prove a point after Lamar Jackson, and I know yeah. the Bills are the worst roster in the NFL, but I just think that momentum will carry them through in a divisional game on Thursday night football. So 10 to 1 for my request to bet. You could be able to get that online at, uh, at Skybet now? Yep, yep, that's going on site now. And um, yeah, so you can back that um, as of the end of this conversation. I'll be putting it up. Um, but yeah, I would agree with you, you know, about Flacco. Um, one thing he did really well was getting the ball across the middle. So I think he had 17 of his throws were between the hashes. And if you look at the Bengals' defense, they were really good against the run, but their linebackers were quite poor in coverage. They targeted Preston Brown and Nickerson 12 times, and they gave up 10 receptions between them and 98 yards. So if there's ever a team that's poised to take advantage of that, it looks like Baltimore's game plan's already looking for that. Brilliant stuff. Jacob, do the legal stuff for us. Yeah, I will. So uh, just a reminder that all odds are correct at the time of recording, Tuesday the 11th of September. Um, for it to be a user of Skybet, you must be 18 or older. Terms and conditions apply. Please remember to gamble responsibly and visit begambleaware.org for more details. Jacob Barner from Skybet, thank you so much for your time. Brilliant stuff. You can go there uh, and get that request about Skybet. And as Jacob said, please gamble responsibly. Build the trolley with your favourite brands on rollback at Asda. A 38-pack of Fairy Non-Bio Capsules was £8.50, now £5.75. And Lenore Gold Fabric Conditioner was £4, now £2.50. Big brands, small prices. Don't compromise. Asda. Save money, live better. Selected stores subject to availability. Lenore, 1.925 litres. Ends 18th of March.